0: We get up here and talk a lot about uh, the power of sin. We call it POS for short. And that's kind of hard to explain if you are hearing it for the first time. But the idea comes out of Romans chapter 7. talks about there's this sin that dwells in our flesh, yet we're holy, righteous, and redeemed. Yet, for some reason, I get crazy thoughts. I get crazy thoughts all the time. And if I am perfected in Jesus, how in the world can I have these crazy thoughts? Here's the good news. If, based upon what I'm reading in the scripture, I'm not the one generating those thoughts. Because I'm holy he made me holy. He made me righteous. I still have the thoughts. I still have negative thoughts. Things like that. Uh, but we call it the power of sin that dwells in our flesh, and it's just here while we walk on the earth. And even though I understand it, it still occurs. I think I can impact it. I just can't stop it. We. Uh, I was reading... Uh, you know, pastors share stuff all the time, but I was reading this. Here's the power of sin thoughts that happen while I'm standing up here teaching. And I I, I didn't want to read them because then it just multiplies them when you read them, but it's too late. (laughs) It's like, am I really prepared enough to teach this today? I mean, these are thoughts that go while I'm talking to you. Am I really connecting with them? How much pain is sitting out here in these seats? Who's, who's, who's living in secret sin out here? Not that I want to know. Are they surfing the net rather than reading the word on their phone? <laughs> Why is that person sleeping? Will such and such finally turn to Jesus today? I don't see such and such here. We need to fix that by next week. Uh, How much time do I have left to finish the sermon? This microphone's driving me crazy. Do they know they're distracting everyone around them? I'm not sure that point or that illustration worked. Why'd that person leave the service? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I can't believe that I get to do this work. Like, the power of sin is a real deal. Not just in you, but in me also. It affects. Uh, I'm really excited about next Sunday. It is because my friend, Ross King, lives in Nashville. He's from Texas, but uh, lives in Nashville. He's a songwriter there, and he's going to be here. And he has written an incredible song. And it deals with the power of sin. It deals with depression, anxiety. And I'm like, Ross, come come, hang out with us. Sing your song. And let's talk a little bit next Sunday. And so Ross is coming up here, Super Bowl Sunday, and hanging out with us. And he'll have, have the whole hour. So uh, if you were here for Tim Timmons and you enjoyed that, you'll probably enjoy next Sunday as well. But uh, the fact that he not only understands the power of sin, but uh, he's got a message that he is able to share with it. I say all that because uh, we're heading back into Acts. We just wrapped up Galatians, and now we're going back into Acts 15 for one week. Just one week, all right? So we're in Acts 15, but Paul is dealing with the POS, the power of sin. This is a guy that comes and teaches grace, teaches identity, teaches you how to walk by the Spirit and to trust the Spirit. And all of a sudden, there's these Judaizers, and you have to realize who the Judaizers are. Don't, don't get them mixed up with the Pharisees. Because the Judaizers and the Pharisees are... Pharisees never believed that Jesus was the Messiah. It's a big difference. But the Judaizers are Jews that believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they just couldn't let go of their law. They thought, you can still have Jesus as the Messiah, but we're going to keep the law as well. So they took the law and mixed it with grace. All right, that's the Judaizers. So Paul and Barnabas went to Galatia, just to catch up real quick. Proclaim the truth. Then a bunch of people from Jerusalem came and said, no, that's only part of the truth. You've got to keep the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep your food restrictions. You've got to keep up with the calendar stuff and all that. And they wrote to Paul and said, hey, here's what they're telling us. Paul wrote them this letter back, which was Galatians, which we covered the last six, couple months. And now there's just confusion out there. Sound familiar? It's not much different today. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. There's still a lot of confusion out there. And so now we pick up in Acts chapter 15 and we're going to try to settle this, but obviously if we're still dealing with it today, it hasn't quite got settled. It says in verse 1, some men came down from Judea, Remember, in the map of Israel, Jerusalem is at the southern part of Israel. It's just directly west of the top of the Dead Sea. But any time that you refer to Jerusalem, Judea, you always talk about either going up to Jerusalem or coming down from Jerusalem. So even though it's on the southern end of Israel, It says, some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, they literally went to where Paul had just left, saying salvation is by faith, belief alone. There's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation, because Christ did it for you, and they're sitting there saying, "No, that's not true." You've got to. Add, here's what you need to know too: These men, it says, some men. If you, we'll get to verse 24, but if you go down to verse 24, it says they weren't even authorized to do this. They didn't come from the council. They didn't come from Jerusalem. They just went on their own. And they begin to infiltrate what Paul and Barnabas had been teaching. It says, verse 2, After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. Okay, Paul's said, we've had enough. If you're going to continue to do this, I'm going to stop being reactive. Hopefully I don't have to write another letter like I did in Galatians. I'm going to be proactive. I want to cut this off right now. Barnabas, pack your bags. We're going to Jerusalem, and we're going to figure this thing out right now. Face-to-face, man-to-man. This is what Paul is literally saying. You guys going to keep coming up here and doing this thing? You know, he keeps talking about Paul has this, this thorn in his side, his flesh. I really believe it's these Judaizers. I don't think it's some kind of personal sin that Paul's dealing with or some kind of eye disease or anything like that. I think it's the Judaizers. And so it says, when they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria. Let me show you exactly on the map where they are. You can see that map if you're down there, but at the top is Antioch. This is where they were. This is where Paul was based out of, and this is modern-day Syria right here, Lebanon up here, and then they came down through Phoenicia, which is this area just north of Israel, which is Lebanon, and then they came down the coast, and they went through Samaria which is just north of Jerusalem right there, and then they made their way down to Jerusalem. But on their way, guess what they did? It says, describing in detail the conversation of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. Okay, we're going to go to Jerusalem, but on the way we're going to stop and tell everybody the good news. We're even going to stop in Samaria where it's both Jews and Gentiles that are half-breeds. And we're going to tell them the good news, that we're all the same, that circumcision doesn't matter, the law doesn't matter, that we're all together in this thing together. It says, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the church being the believers, those that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The apostles and the elders... And they reported all that God had done with them. I don't know how many days that took, but they spent a lot of time unpacking. Here's what we did. We went to Iconium, we went to Lyra, we, we established all these things. Then your guys from Jerusalem came and started reversing everything that we had taught. Says, but some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and says, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now we're facing it face to face. Here we are. This is the problem. We're here and we're going to deal with this right now. Says, the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. This is the big showdown. After there had been much debate, Peter, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers and sisters, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us, the Jews that are meeting there. Wait, now, this is Peter. You remember what happened, right? Peter went up there and he's hanging out in Antioch and he's going around and he's hanging out and having dinner with the Gentiles and the Jews and those Judaizers came up from Jerusalem and said, Peter, you can't do this. You can't mingle with both the Gentiles and the Jews because you're sending a bad message to all the Jews. And Peter's like, okay. So both him and Barnabas quit hanging out with the Gentiles. Paul found out about it, went met him face to face without emotion. Remember, says, "Hey, look! Remember what we're teaching. This is what Jesus taught us. This is the truth." Da 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 da. They said everything straight publicly. Peter got on the same page as Paul again. Now, Paul has come to Jerusalem where Peter is, and guess what? Peter stands up for Paul. So, even though you may have thought. Paul busted Peter's chops in public, they are on the same page. Peter is defending what Paul and Barnabas have been teaching. So now he's made this testimony to all of his Jewish buddies, the Judaizers in the room. He says, He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. By faith. That's it. It was done by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? (laughs) Peter is literally laying this out. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yet the Jews had this heavy yoke of the law, of obeying the law, and you're wanting to put it back on them. It's like today when somebody gets set free, they get baptized and they become a member and they sign a covenant to do this and to do that and to do this and to do that. And it's like you're just putting that yoke back on them again. I don't mean to step on toes, but that's literally what's happening today. When he says it's simply belief. I believe, and I watch it happen. If you just figure this out, what Christ has done for you, and you know who you are in Christ, those things will naturally happen. You don't need to sign a contract for it. You're just going to do those things. It's obvious. I watch you. I see it. And he says, verse 11, on the contrary, We believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. The whole assembly became silent. Really, Peter? This is where you're going? And listen to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Peter just said, Hey, look, this is what we believe, this is what we've taught. Paul and Barnabas come up behind him and go, let me tell you what all's happened. This is what God's done. Boom, 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 boom. It's proof. It's proof that it's truth. In verse 13 it says, after they stopped speaking, James responded. James, he's the half-brother of Jesus. His mother is Mary, and his father is Joseph, Jesus' mother is Mary, his father is God. You with me? This is James, and he says, Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Oh, wait. James didn't even believe in Jesus as the Messiah until after the resurrection. Think about that for a second. Your own brother. He says, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Simeon, which is Peter, has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this as it is written. And then he quotes from Amos chapter 9, because they all know this and they all have it memorized. It says, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again so the rest of humanity may seek the Lord Even all the Gentiles. This is in the Old Covenant. It says it. The prophet Amos said, Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. He's literally using what they know now to prove his point. Verse 19. It says, Therefore, in my judgment, this is James, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God, but instead we should write to them to abstain from these things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day. He is read aloud in the synagogues. Now, here's what happened. Here's James. Knows the law. Tried to live by the law. Did not do it perfectly. Who knows how well he actually did it. But the law was important to him. And he knew it was important to the Jews. But at the same time, he knows what Paul and Barnabas are teaching is true. What Peter is affirming is true. James says this. Do you think that we can come to a compromise? Literally, I, I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I hear what you all are doing. Is there some way that we can come to a compromise? Can we say to the Gentiles, yes, You are a part of our family. Yes, it's by faith that you believe. Can you say to the Jews, do you realize that they can be a part of our family? That they can be free? But at the same time, can we just take one or these two food restrictions and just say, hey, we're going to compromise on this. You, I'm telling you now, what happens after this section that we're in in Acts 15? James sits down and pins his letter. And that's where we're going the next few weeks. We'll stop right there at the end of this chapter and we'll pick up where James wrote his letter. And everybody goes, you're going to do James? The guy who likes the law? Well, you'd be surprised. How much grace is in James's letter? But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Just wait, we'll get there. But now James is literally saying, you guys, we have to come to a compromise. And I think that he's saying this with a passionate, loving, caring heart. I believe that. It it wasn't changing the truth of the gospel. It's just, hey, can we do this? Can we agree upon this? And I sit there and say, I think every married person and parent knows there are times in the home when compromise is absolutely wrong. But there are also times when compromise is right. And James is saying this is one of those times. Don't be so legalistic about grace. Grace. Hmm. Verse 22 says, Then the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, decided to select men who were among them, and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. Hey. Paul, Barnabas, we know that you're getting ready to go back. And we know that uh, some of our people have been up there contradicting what you've been teaching. If there's any way that we can make proof of that, we want to do that. Not only will we send this letter with you, but we're going to send a couple of our best guys with you just as testimony and proof. Verse 23, it says, they wrote, From the apostles, the ones that hung out with Jesus, and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. This is the letter that they're getting ready to give Paul and Barnabas. From this Jerusalem council. Since we have heard that some without our authorization those are the guys back in verse 1 went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your heart we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with the dearly beloved Paul and Barnabas Barnabas and Paul the dearly be- these are our guys we love them We're for them. No matter what you've heard in the past, we're on the same team. It says, Who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you think Paul and Barnabas told them all their stories? Absolutely they did. It says, Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things, by word of mouth. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours. Huh. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I get asked that wisdom stuff all the time. Give me some wisdom. Uh, there's a spirit inside of you that's probably going to give you the same wisdom. Just follow that spirit. It's exactly what you're saying right here. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours. Not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. And here come the requirements. That you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled. If they strangled an animal, there remained blood there and it would come out. And from sexual immorality. (laughs) This is no different than Paul saying, hey, you know, if you're walking by the Spirit... You're not going to end up doing these things. At some point, Paul had to say, he had to state the obvious. Hey, if you're going to walk by the flesh, this is what it looks like to walk by the flesh. If you're going to walk by the Spirit, this is what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. And sexual immorality was a part of that walking by the flesh. So now, they've all agreed, can you Gentiles agree that this is part of the faith process. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. You'll do well, but it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. You realize that if your salvation is based upon faith, even if you keep these a few restrictions that we're throwing in there, you're just better off. And we're all better off because it stops the confusion among both the Jews and the Gentiles. doesn't have anything to do with you being saved. It's just a matter of life. And he says, farewell. Now, verse 30, we're getting ready to wrap it up right here. So they were sent off and went down to Antioch. Again, they're up in Jerusalem, remember. They went down to Antioch, even though it was north. And after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. Hey, all you believers, circle the wagons. Let's get together. Let's clarify what's happened over here the last few years. When they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Yes, we get to live by grace. We don't have to be circumcised. We don't have to live under the law. We can eat bacon. They rejoiced. 32 says, Both Judas and Silas, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with a long message. I wonder if they had power of sin thoughts when they delivered that long message. I'm sure they did. It says, after spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remain in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. For a long time, they remain in Antioch, teaching people the grace, their identity, the things of the Lord. Yet here we are, 2,000 years later, still struggling with it. People go, it's so obvious. Why, why can't anybody see this? Why do we still deal with this mix of law and grace? Because there is an evil one lurking. And he does not want the church to be the church. He does not want the church to be free. He does not want the church to understand their identity. He wants them to be mediocre. I get it. I get it. You. So now what's happened in this whole area, you've got confusion. They've tried to clear the confusion up here. Uh... Believers are being oppressed by the affluent people. They're being very critical of one another. Hey, did you hear what Paul said? Yeah, but Peter said this. Yeah, but James sent this letter, and there's still a lot of confusion that's going on. There's a lot of sickness in the church, like, like just illness. There's a lot of stuff that's going on, and so James. How can I encourage the church? How can I encourage the church? He sits down to pen his letter. And this is where we'll pick up next Sunday. Father, I thank you for your message. I thank you that you sit here every week with us and you tell us how much you love us, what you did for us. You give us your word that we can see that it was clearly laid out. The whole game plan. The old covenant and the new covenant. And how the new covenant makes the old covenant obsolete. May we truly see that. May you unpack your word with us even beyond Sunday morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.